What is dog gelf? They've all asked the question, those who've heard the name. To be clear, dog gelf isn't a what, but a who. Dog gelf is your new favourite character. A smuggler. International. Interdimensional. A good smuggler. You want to pay for those new trainers in liquid time? A dripping hour and 20 minutes dragged in from the appropriate dimension? Well, it's your lucky day, because you already do. Time is money, and you already pay for things with your time and your money, and apparently you make enough in an hour and 20 minutes to afford a new pair of trainers. That's a lucky you. But you also want the liquid time because of dog exchange rate? Well, yeah, the exchange rate too. It's actually pretty good at the moment, but also because of dog galf. Dog galf? Yeah, dog galf. Neither dog nor galf in species. You won't need to worry about any of those outdated prejudices in this story. We don't want to hear about how you're actually cool with galfs or that you used to live with a dog who was super nice or whatever. We just don't care here. So none of that, um, that shit in this story, please. I don't want to sound like that one Tory who went off on Twitter and kids Anyway, we're here to talk about dog galf and his adventures and his friends, enemies, the sartorial choices in between and all the grizzly shit that'll just spring up on you. It's fun. He's got a ship. A 4K de-spleening crank and a winner of a grin. He's got these little button-esque eyes, deep hazelnut brown, and set back in this sort of... He's got this, like, fur. But it's not fur, it's like sea foam, but more solid and held together. It's brownie amber in colour unless he's in an olden days dimension where everything's black and white and then it's probably grey. Except things are very rarely black and white in Doggouse world. Two-dimensional, yeah, sometimes. But they're never black and white. Flaws are found in all species and forms, even in the various saints among them. And when you're a smuggler, well, well, yeah. But more on that later, maybe. More on what later, though? Look, you don't need to worry about that. Let's just get into it now, and we can do details as we go. Unless I forget, and then you'll just have to enjoy the words as they tumble out of my mouth. And so, if we drop into Doggal's ship here, it seems as if we're really going pretty quick. We're clocking along, actually, and it looks, judging by Dog's expression, as if we're in one of the more traditional second dimensions. This is a good place to start, as far as introductions are concerned. It's like small talk, but like good and well-prompted small talk. It would be far more difficult for you to get a feel for the character of Dog Galf if we landed in a more conceptual or unit-based dimension. If, for instance, he was currently in the form of a temperature or a cup measurement, People need an identifiable hero, they say. Someone relatable. So a traditional second dimension is again a good place to start. It's like a cartoon. But I can't promise it'll be so easy next time, so if everyone could just take a minute or two to plumb the depths of their personal depths and dredge up all that painful shit, you know? The broken birthdays, the eggless Easters, the Christmas crackers lost, and come to some sort of conclusion as to what temperature they'd be. That'd be sweet. You want Fahrenheit or centigrade? Well, I don't want Kelvins. Okay, so Fahrenheit or centigrade. What do you think? I want a temperature, not some abstract value, some abstract number. Fair enough. You, you can do that as we go, actually. I'm sure there'll be time. There'll be an ad break or something. There'll be some sort of waffle. Because right now, as far as I can see, we're in the shit. 
Doggouse being pursued by the looks of it, I can see Second Dimension customs officials in the rear view, although it's hard to tell just how far off they are given the lack of depth perception available in a dimension that lacks the value you might describe as or even perceive as being depth. Very good. Yes. I ask Dog what's going on, he just turns to look at me. I can see he's wearing an eye patch. An eye patch I couldn't see before due to the two-dimensional visual physics. An eye patch that's new and that I'll have to ask him about later. There's no time now. I'll just write it down. It's a typical dog-gouth move, that turn-and-look response that says he doesn't have time for stupid questions. It's a turn-and-look that says, you know what's going on. It's obviously a ship chase, so if you want to know why it's going on, then just ask that. God, I love him. So I ask, why are they chasing you, dog? And he just jerks his two-dimensional head back, gesturing towards the ship's cargo bay. If I'm remembering correctly, Doggalf doesn't like to talk in the second dimension. It makes everything sound flat and uninspiring or something like that. So now I get up gingerly from my seat next to the big dog and start on my wobbly way back to the cargo bay. It's just through the cockpit door, then third door on your right. Make sure you switch on paralysis airflow before entering. Dear Christ, remember to switch on the paralysis airflow before you open that door. The old instructions still ring clear in my ears. That was a fun one, and the paralysis airflow was very much a lifesaver, I think, as I reached the third door on my right and pressed the large red button just next to it. That's the paralysis airflow, in case you weren't with it. It's a neat gadget that immobilizes whatever the room contains, be it a monumental bubonic plague or a small gimp with an unplaceable accent. Luckily, or not, depending on who you are, it's neither of those things. It seems as though old dog's on a fairly routine smuggling trip at the moment. It's people. 2D people, to be precise. 2D actors, to be even more precise. 2D actors, presumably the desire of some cartoon studio in one of the dimensions at third or above. It's far cheaper to bring in living talent than it is to draw and then animate it staff costs. And this is a prime crop that Doggalf's got. At least two of these characters will do well when it comes to selling merch. Soft toys, lunchboxes, you name it. You'll be able to buy it. These guys are fucking cute. Big ass eyes, little pudgy tums, a light blue fur. It's all money spinner. These guys are going to be so, so famous. You're big in Japan? Well, how's your numbers in the under-8 demographic? Because these little fellas are massive in that, which I hear they also have in Japan. Parents hate them, but that's just... What was that? The ship's just juddered. Probably a direct hit from a custom ship. It's much easier to aim when you only have to worry about two axes, as opposed to the three that you and I are familiar with. Much less pee on the toilet seats here in the second dimension. I'll tell you that, but I'd better get back and see if Doggalf needs any help. Looking in the rear view, the custom ships are bigger. Not closer, not in this dimension, just bigger. Doggalf doesn't look too concerned though, even as the ship gets clattered again. He's actually grinning, damn him, he loves this. Although, it's worth saying that the vast majority of Dog's operations go smoothly. Like I said, he's a good smuggler. He's stealthy, smart, morally ambiguous. This situation isn't the norm. It's like buying flowers for your darling. It happens almost never. But when it does, oh boy, it's, uh... It's oh boy, you know, it's, uh... It's, um... Oh, thank God. Look, 
another direct hit, and the customs guys are even bigger in the rear view. What's Doggalf doing? He's slowing down? Maybe the power source has been hit. I ask, Dog, why are you slowing down? Oh, oh, oh. oh. The dimensional border. We're about to cross it. I've been here before. It's a no man's land tundra where the terrain looks barren. It looks as if you could really work the engine, reach top speed and then stay there forever. But then you cross a border and suddenly the rules change. Dog knows these parts like the back of his hand, or at least he will, when his hand regains the cooperative properties of front and back as opposed to its current mutually exclusive sides. We should ready ourselves for the imminent gain or loss of something. We might lose vertical measurements. No, not my inches. Or gain a smaller but identical version of ourselves inside our bodies, like those 4D cube diagrams on Google. Christ, I can't afford that. Quite. And I'm only scraping average height for a guy of my age and weight as it is. And what if we go into a dimension where weight replaces the soul and we do just become personalities defined by our physical attributes? I can't handle that. And depending on who you are, and how you've been treating your material self over the years, maybe you can't either. And if you can, well, drop me a message. You sound hot. Seriously. I mean, whatever, it's cool. It's really cool, actually. Doggaff's taken his fingerless gloved hands off the ship's wheel, which is one of those big old wooden galleon wheels, of course, and he's fiddling around in a compartment for something. Probably trying to find his guitar or sex or something. He's not doing much to dispel that, that stereotype of Galfs, though. You know, you know the one I mean. I don't think that's, um... Cool. Yeah, it's just dangerous. But then, before I could say anything, we crossed the border. Just as the custom ships catch up with us. I now see why Dog had slowed to such a virtual crawl as we enter one of the third dimensions and our landscape surroundings gain a width value. This adds to the height and length values of the previous dimension, causing Dog's face to regain its contours. His seafoam coating plumps out, wobbling with the ship's motion, and my body goes through a similar process of rematerializing into something recognisable. And, ooh. What is it? It's, uh, what's going My, my. It's amazing the levels of denial that a person can reach during a stint in a two-dimensional space. As we change, so too do the rock formations of the tundra, which now jut out as new and previously unseen obstacles into which the still speeding custom ships bash. Although, bash is probably too soft a word to describe the brutal impact that I'm looking at. There's blood and at least a few innards flying from smashed windows. It's a shame, I think, that these 2D customs officials only experience in a 3D body was to feel and hopefully appreciate its total pulverization. Before you get all sad that they were just doing their jobs, I'll remind you of the whole nothing's black and white thing from before. Terrible people have jobs just as gorgeous people have jobs. Do you have a job? Dog Galf has a job. And by Jove is he doing it. The winning grin's back, now in IMAX 3D and with a purple cigarette sticking out of it. That must have been what he was rootling around in the compartment for, I realise, as he lights it. So cool. The smoke's thick and cool and smells of crushed fennel. And I find myself wanting nothing more than a puff of what must be the finest smokeable object in a million mile radius. But no dice. Dog treasures these moments, the post-chase calm, the bit between the stress of the act and the pressure of the eventual deal. 
there's still a client to meet and a delivery to survive. Dog steers the ship around the colossal rock face into which we would have been bashed if he hadn't slowed to a crawl. So Dog, where are you taking these characters then? I ask. Who's the buyer? It's a studio in the city. He says. Cartoons, usual kind of thing. Too cheap to pay working board fees. More animated. Do you know the jewel, mate? Dead lights, dead city. Sariki fucking hive. So, we're heading to the city, to a cartoon studio. You probably heard Dog Galf mention import fees, because it wasn't that long ago that he said it. Well, making good on my promise of details, it's time you learnt a few things about interdimensional trade and shipping. That's why we came. Firstly, no one is allowed to import anything and have it remain in its original dimensional quality. That is to say, you can't import one-dimensional strawberries or red lines unless you have them converted into the quality of your home dimension. So for me, an inhabitant of a third dimension, this means I would have to pay the exorbitant import fees to have both height and width values assigned to my strawberry lines, as they would reach the border with a length value only. Comprende? See, I think so. Obviously, I'd just go and buy some native 3D strawberries rather than import them, because it's much cheaper and one-dimensional strawberries are a bit sour, they're a bit tart. But let's say, for whatever reason, I needed one-dimensional strawberries. Say, if I was an architect and my only red pen's just run out of ink and there's no red ink left in the dimension, I'm suddenly and very unexpectedly in desperate need of straight red lines. So what do I do? Uh... Here's another one, a bit less far-fetched. I'm a cartoon studio showrunner who's blown his currency on profiteroles and sex hookers, obviously. Who can blame me? But now I've got no money left to pay those damn illustrators or those blasted animators. What do I do? I hire me some two-dimensional actors to do the job because they're cheap and desperate for work and riches. But wait, they're also illegal. So I ask you again, what do I do? Well, that's where Doggalf enters the frame. He can get you anything. Dog once smuggled a sphere into the first dimension for an over-pompous regional line manager. Dog once outran an entire squadron of fifth dimension tariff bots while running a shipment of thermally weighted opioids. They're legal as pie out here, by the way. The heroines, that is. It's the thermal weight that's not allowed. The whole thing's getting heavier as they get hotter and vice versa. It's a permission thing. Tiny part of a cursed bureaucracy. In fact, while we're at it, let's put any narrative inconsistencies, past or present, firmly on the shoulders of that bureaucracy. Okay, so, sweet, we've got the bureaucracy, there's the regulation, and that's why Doggalf is never short of work. That's why... Are you tagging along? He asks me. Yeah, I say. If that's okay with you, Dog. Of course it is, mate. Could use a hand to carry the cargo in. Did you see those merch-ready little guys? Of course I did. They're going to be rich. Dog's eyes light up at the sounding of the word rich as he increases the ship's speed and clicks her into autopilot. Freaking pencil cases are lame, mate. By the time they get back to the second dimension, they're going to have made more currency than you and I will ever even see with our eyeballs. And with that, he does an almost apologetic little sleepy head mime to indicate that he's going for a snooze before we reach the city. That's fair enough, he's probably had a long day. I'm still pumped though. 
The chase has whet my appetite for excitement and I need more. There's still adrenaline coursing through me and there's no way I'm letting it go to waste. So, naturally, I log on to Dove's Wi-Fi, Rot Wi-Fi Love, and load up one of those thrilling stories that come with online recipes. And after a vibrant and pulsating narrative about why double chocolate brownies are just so, so special to Minty Cat, I'm pretty beat. Just like the separated egg whites. And sleep takes hold of me. first thing I see upon waking up is it's Dog Gal, which is because he's shaking me. Wake up, mate. It's time to go. Give us a hand with the cargo, yeah? Yeah, all right, dog. Between the two of us, we managed to lug the 2D actors, all of whom are asleep, into the underside bit of a room service trolley before covering it with a pristine white tablecloth. Dog's a sucker for a zany TV gag, and the old trolley smuggles his favourite. We then roll this trolley out of the ship and across a narrow pavement and through a subtle door in what seems to be the back of a large three-dimensional building. Straight off the bat, it doesn't have the same smell as a typical cartoon studio. There's none of the usual ink and pixel acridity that hits your nose as soon as you enter. Normally, that's everywhere, seeping through the thickest of walls and embedding itself in your garmentation, but it's just not here. Doggalf doesn't smell it either. I can see the seafoam coating on his snouty thing shuddering as he scans the air in forensic detail. He casts me a quick look. Suspicion. There's no mistaking it in those typically beautiful hazelnut eyes. That's the galf in him. The sounds are also missing if this is a cartoon studio. Ordinarily, you can hear the cries of anguish and the crack of a fair trade, free-range leather, organic whip somewhere down a corridor. That's the animator's den. Highly paid and driven hard, they're simultaneously the victor and victim of a burgeoning industry. But, like so many other things, that's a narrative direction for another time, as our suspicions are interrupted by a shrill yet commanding yelp. voice comes from a spot of darkness up ahead towards the end of the corridor. Dog shrugs and begins to pull the front of the trolley, and I push from the rear. At this point, one of the 2D actors pokes her head out from under the tablecloth like a living, breathing paper cutout. She's not one of the merch churners, too conventionally attractive. She could be on posters, although in my experience two-dimensional figures never really transfer well to paper. You're always better off scanning 3D. It's one of those weird showbiz things, like how they use milk as rain because water doesn't show up as well on camera. Or how all American teenagers are actually 35-year-old men with huge backpacks on. Even the girls, and especially the cheerleaders. Anyway, Doggalf hisses at her to get out of sight until the client is a confirmed identity, and she ducks back under the cloth. We're almost at the end of the corridor now, and I can see a thin rectangle of light emerging from the spot of darkness. A door, slightly ajar. It's cinematic as... And then the voice, keening again. Yeah, go on. Let me just get the door. 
There's a few footsteps and the door begins to creak away from us, the light rectangle increasing in width on all but one of its sides. Oh, is that two-dimensional visual physics? Yeah, it's two-dimensional visual physics in what I presume is a 3D setting. Sweet. There's more pulley trolleying. Ah, yeah, fuck it. There's more trolley pushing from dog and a bit more... There's more trolley pulling from dog and a bit more pushing from me, although at this point I'm pretty distracted. With his effort covering for us both, we squeeze the trolley through what is, in fact, a door. And on the other side, we're under a spotlight. That seems like a weird feature for a cartoon studio. It is. And I'm beginning to doubt, more so than before, that that's really what this place is. Doggalf has his right hand on the hilt of that 4K de-spleening crank I mentioned earlier, which I, I really hope he doesn't use it. That thing's fucking awful. I feel like vomiting just thinking about what it... I'd, I'd actually rather he just used it on me and spared me the sight. But again, the voice interrupts my thoughts, coming from closer now but remaining unseen. Well, that, everybody, is what I call flying colours past with a merit. With that, the lights come up, and I can see quite clearly for the first time. Oh, Dog's de-spleening crank goes off, and I close my eyes as quickly as possible. In the microsecond glimpse, in the microsecond glimpse I caught of the scene, it looked as if we're on the stage of a theatre. It's a packed house, and every seat's taken. Whoever Dog's wild cranking has hit is going through the motions of being excruciatingly de-spleened. Grateful for closed eyes, but cursing my open ears, I can hear the squelching and slapping and snapping and hemoglobular disemboweling. When I say spleen, I'm not talking about the medical spleen, because that's underwhelming and can actually be removed quite safely. I'm talking about the pop culture spleen, that which implies total organ and bone mincing. Is Jinkies copyrighted? I hope not, because I open my eyes and say Jinkies. We are on a theatre stage, and every seat is taken. Although one, about three rows back, is now occupied by a large pile of shiny, wet guts. Whoever this was, his or her neighbours are now coated in them, their black tie dress completely drenched in spleen. This doesn't seem to have phased them, however, as they join the rest of the audience in a round of applause. Dog looks lost as a tall figure emerges from stage left, the owner of the voice. Dog's still clutching the crank, but the figure who's wearing a dark green satin robe, obviously, doesn't seem worried. Dog finally lowers the crank and I can breathe a sigh of relief. The situation could still be dire for all I know. But at least there won't be any more physiological inversion. I find that slightly insulting. What's the actual job then, mate? Thankfully, Dog seems to know the game now, as a bit of his usual calmness comes back into sight. The audience, whose presence is still unexplained, seems to take a collective inward breath before the figure answers. Well, Master Gell, how are you? Doggalf's seafoam coating stiffens under the lights and his beautiful hazelnut eyes close as his head falls heavy. The sixth dimension. 
He'd sworn he wouldn't. Not ever. But now, he doesn't have a choice. What are you on about? Why doesn't he have a choice? Tune in next week at the same time to find out why Doggaff doesn't have a choice. Is it naughty photos, a glimpse under the seafoam coating, or is it something more highbrow? Who can say? Tune in next week at the same time to find out who can say. Is it me? Or is it someone highbrow? And thank you for listening to the end. It's crazy how you did that all in one take.